Yeah, hi, I'm Tom Waterfield, uh, PEM consultant in the Children's Hospital in Belfast, and um, I do a bit of research at Queen's. So I'm going to go over um, neonatal collapse, the causes, and we're going to have panel discussion and questions, and we're going to break regularly for uh, the panel discussions. If you post questions, we won't have to necessarily get all of them at the end. So if, you, if you're going through and you think we've got a question about something on a slide or a, t or a case, just pop it in and we'll get it as it comes in. Uh, we're going to go over normal um, the, the normal heart, the fetal circulation. I'll talk about pink babies who have collapsed, blue babies that have collapsed, and that and that's like the ED mindset. And then we'll have a bit of a summary and close. And it's going to be, there's a lot to get through, so we're going to try and move quickly. That's someone starting but rank these causes of uh, unexpected um, neonatal collapse. What's most likely? Yeah, okay. So this is good to see. But most of you agree, and it's pretty bang on. Um, interestingly, okay, okay, interesting. Let's see, give it another moment or two. Yeah, yeah. so se sepsis by far the most common. Um, cardiac second, uh, NIA third. Metabolic is actually quite rare, so not, it, it, we teach it because it's scary and um, and it, it's something that we need to know how to manage. But it's NAI would be would be definitely more common than metabolic, and not not that far off of cardiac. I'm not going to talk about occult trauma. You're going to have that probably in other parts of the talks, but yeah. Okay, so 14 day old infant. Uh, presents with 48 hours of reduced feeding and uh, some vomiting, they're more sleepy, they're across when they're awake, they've had some fevers at home, what's the most likely? Okay, good. Uh, hopefully that's coming through. Anyone think that's anything else? All right, good. So if everyone's thinking it's um, infection, let's see. Yeah, and this is this is really quick, just to make the point, because we're going to talk about cardiac stuff. Um, but basically, if it looks like a duck and it quacks, it's probably a duck. So sepsis is common. Um, we need to adequately resuscitate children. Uh, and the most common cause is we're going to see E. coli and GBS. That's not really the aim of my talk. I wish it was. I love talking about um, infections in young infants. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about today. So it's just to remind you that although we're going to focus on cardiac causes, there are, it's not the most common reason. I'll see if there's any questions, but I probably want to not spend too long on this because we get through more of the cardiac side of things. But I think if you get a collapsed neonate, probably I would argue you should you should cover them for sepsis no matter what. Sepsis is by far the most common. It isn't always obvious. Um, I don't think there's any real downside to covering. Uh, I think you need to think about cardiac causes. You know, you're going to look at pre and postdoctoral SATs. Um, you're going to look at femoral pulses. You're going to feel for a liver edge. You're going to listen for murmurs. Um, I kind of mentioned this already, but beware in AI and occult trauma. It's far more unfortunately far more of a problem than we sometimes think and then metabolic i put last but can consider metabolic causes uh, again not really the focus but tend to present slightly differently uh siege is more common um ammonia can be helpful uh the, the emergency treatment we could have a whole talk on that but we're going to focus mostly on on um on cardiac um Okay, so questions already. Um, so let's have a look. Should I tube with prostin? Going to come back to that because that's going to come up. Someone is really mustard keen to get into the cardiac stuff. Uh, why sepsis? Uh, why not? Uh, <laughs> sepsis, I know, I'm happy to get thoughts on the panel, but uh, if you go, I haven't decided to make it paper heavy, but if you go through the kind of post-mortem stuff and the epidemiology, 
about three quarters of your collapsed neonates will be due to infection. Um, and of those infections, sepsis is going to be the one that's most problematic. You're going to get viral respiratory illnesses and other things, but you know, we're talking not we're not talking about a febrile infant or a, an infant that's come in uh, and you think, oh, I'm not sure if they're sick. We're talking about somebody who's come in, collapsed and very unwell. Listeria. So listeria is a great question. So I know we've got people all over the world, so I don't know where, you, you know, it depends where people are from. Certainly in the UK, listeria is pretty much gone. Um, with data that's unpublished at the minute, we've got 2,000 babies under three months from 37 hospitals in the last 13 months in the UK and Ireland, looking at causes of fever and illness. We've had no listeria, um, you know, so it's, it's, you might get it, but it's certainly not your top, your top ones are uh, just E. coli. Uh, okay, fine, old questions, please stop, right, fine, move on. <laughs> Brutal. Um, to cardiac, um, let's, um, are they blue? Are they in failure? Do they have femoral pulses? Do they have a murmur? So these are the kind of questions I ask myself in ED because I'm not a cardiologist and it helps me just to class characterize what, what's going on and why. So I'm going to go start with not blue. So that's what we're going to start with. So that's my first thing. Collapse neonate. I think it might be cardiac and then not blue. Um, so vision of normal heart. The venous blood enters into the right atrium. That's here, goes through. Um into the right ventricle, comes out of the pulmonary arteries, goes into the lungs, uh, returns by the pulmonary veins into left um, atrium, goes left ventricle, and then aorta and out to the body. Okay, and that's our normal adult circulation. Fetal uh, hearts of the lungs are not ready for gas exchange. Um, they have very, very high... Uh, vascular resistance in the lungs uh, and it's just a waste of effort and energy for the fetus to spend lots, spend lots of blood to the lungs so it doesn't happen the right pressures are very high so you have a dominant right side of circulation which is different to when you're older if you think about your ecg and your newborns you know very dominant r waves it's a it's a right dominant right heart dominant and blood's shunted um essentially across the atria by the foramen ovale and it's shunted from the pulmonary artery um to the aorta via the ductus arteriosus. Um, so that's the fetal circulation. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So this is a case, so 23 day old presents with a short history of poor feeding, uh, has vomited the last two feeds, has no temperature, uh, no risk factors for sepsis and the heart rate 240. The cat refills three seconds and you have an ECG. What is that? Let's have a look. Yeah, so a degree. So for most, most of the answers are coming up SVT. So you might this the sepsis bit. Uh, you may have sepsis as a trigger for your SVT, uh, but your SVT is is the cardiac issue here that's you're seeing. So you've got a uh, very fast heart rate, absence of P waves, um, and that would be very typical of SVT. So what do you want to do next? If you think it's SVT. Dunk them in ice water. Are you going to put a ice cold face mask on? Um, or are you going to give them some adenosine? 75 odd answers. Let's see. Yeah, so ice cold face mask, dunk them in ice water, adenosine. I don't know the that right answer. So something we can ask in the in the panel. I, I quite like adenosine. I find I can get access and it works. Um, I hate dunking them in ice water. Um 
I, I just find there's something a bit paradoxical about having a very unwell collapsed child that you then submerge in some in water. Um, ice cold face mask, I haven't tried, but I think I would be willing to if it was available quickly. So the idea there is you put the face mask in, in ice cold water, it gets wet and very cold, and you put that over for 20 to 30 seconds and that simulates and has a similar effect uh, as actually putting them in the ice water, which is to elicit the dive reflex. Yeah, so next question. So we're gonna have two cases and then we'll come back. So what do you think is the most likely cause of, um, in this case, a 28 day old presents with um, poor weight gain, sweating, breathless, and have a pan-systolic murmur? Yeah, so I agree most of you, BSD is the most likely. Um, PDAs rarely cause presentations with failure, but a BSD in this kind of age is when we start to see them. So um, you'll probably see it. It's my, we'll talk about it in the panel, but my point here would be think about this in a child who's maybe got bronchiolitis or, you know, a simple viral illness, but it looks too sick, you know, is, is sicker than you would expect. You may find that you've actually got a BSD. Um, so it's not a common cause of collapse. I put it put it in there because occasionally you'll see that in you know RSV, but actually they just seem a lot sicker than they should be. So I thought we might at this point go to the panel um, and please put the questions in, and I'll make sure there's no old questions. So Ben, are you sorry? Are you are you wanting us to give a comment here? So I was just, I was just looking at the questions. So my learning points are going to be the SVT is common. Um, I put it in because I think it is a cardi it's cardiac. Not everything is can, is structural heart disease. So beware SVT you will see, especially with intercurrent infection, um, and they can come in quite collapsed. Um, obviously, the SA node is no longer acting as a pacemaker. P waves won't be visible. We've talked about options, but adenosine works by depolarizing that AV node um, via the potassium channels and allows the SA nodes to take over. Um, Failure, so heart failure basically is part of the VSD, rarely causes a true collapse, but you might see it in com combination with things like RSV. And I guess for the panel, I was going to ask, what's the maximum dose of adenosine you would give? Do you go in at 200 or 100? You know, does it matter where you give it? What, you know, if it's a peripheral cannula, does it change the dose you give? If it's IO, and how many times would you try it? And I suppose if that doesn't work, where do you go next? You know, uh, other drugs, I know we use those in the children's hospital. When would you go to DC cardi version? Um, sedation versus, you know, for, for this, that those kind of questions. And anything that comes up in the Q&A online. Tom, that's uh, an awful lot of questions for the panel, a uh, whole talk on SVT. Um, but uh, I would use the standard APLS algorithm for management of SVT. So that's starting at 100 micrograms per kilogram uh, and then stepping it up to 200, 300. At 300, I'd generally get cardiology involvement. Um, and uh, APLS would say to use uh, amiodarone at that point. But in our department, we use um, a short-acting beta blocker um, as a, a way of slowing the heart down to allow recapture a bit easier. So we yeah. use esmolol infusion, and we've seen good effect to that. Um, and uh, at that point, we'd start off with our adenosine dose. Once we've slowed the heart rate down a bit with the esmolol, we'd start at 100 again, 200, 300. And we may go all the way up to 500 micrograms per kilogram. Yeah. Um, 
So that's 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 the practice that uh, I would have for for drug induced. And I, I I have to jump in here because I'm a big fan of ice water um, uh, in a bag. I don't dunk their head in it, um, uh, and I see it work, especially in the babies. I I see it work uh, a very uh, a huge number of times. Uh, so it's been very effective. I actually had two in the last month that have converted with ice bag to the face. Yeah, um, so, so similar to the mask, isn't that? Um, good. Um, there's a few questions coming through now. So uh, cold spray, I don't think you can cold spray in, into the face. I think there'd be um, significant issues with that because it's quite irritant. Um, unless you think of putting it onto so I wouldn't use cold spray, no. Um, BSD, so yeah, I know it's more to keep you thinking about. I, I agree, on, it's an unlikely cause of collapse, but we're going to split them into pink and blue. So pink babies, SVT, and heart failure and heart failure the most common reason at this kind of age is a very very large bsd um that's maybe been missed you may not even hear it if it's very large or someone's commented in the chat um as part of an intercurrent illness um yes if you've got cardiology available you can get some quick help but you probably shouldn't need that for the first line treatment so for doing your maneuvers you know so cold the cold the ice cold face mask or giving adenosine you shouldn't need to speak to cardiology Cardiology would be more of there for refractory SVT. Um, cold spray on the back. Okay, I haven't tried that or used that. I don't know if someone's put on that they've used cold spray on the back. Um, I've certainly, it's the dive reflex is going to be around the face. So I, out of all the ones I've heard, the one I'd probably most like to go for would be the face mask dipped in the ice cold water and applied. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. I'm going to move forwards unless there's anything else the panel want to add. Yeah, okay. So that was really quick just to get through um kind of pink babies. So we're now going to talk about kind of blue babies. So again, let's I keep hammering this in. So healthy heart. So venous blood from the body enters the right atrium, there's right ventricle, pulmonary arteries out to the lungs, returns um by the pulmonary veins, left atrium, left ventricle, out to the aorta and to the body. And I just it it sounds silly, but I'm gonna just Try and keep it fresh in your head. So when we go through lesions and things, it's easier. Fetal hearts, remember, lungs are not ready. Lots of vascular resistance, very high right heart pressure. That's dominant. So blood has to go right to left. So it goes across the frame of the and it goes from the pulmonary arteries via the ductus arteriosus to the aorta. So next case, so um, two-day-old with... Um, Tachypnea and grunting, SATs are very low. Femoral pulses are palpable. Um, what's the most likely cause? And have that there X-ray. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So so transposition is the is the answer. It's correct. And uh, most of you have gone for that. Um, child only two days old. So I wouldn't expect either of these to really be a cause of um, collapse at this age. And co-optation. Um, a very hypoxic with femorals, um, it goes against that somewhat. But uh, yeah, so the, so, the, so the answer for me would be this is most likely to be a transposition. Most depicts up antenatally. Um, when I worked in London, the Great Over Street, we used to have children come across from UCLH, all planned on low dose prostin, not intubated, and would just sit there until they were ready to go to theatre. So in this situation, what you've got is, if you remember, we talked about blood coming to the right atrium. It's deoxygenated right ventricle and then um, to the lungs via the pulmonary arteries. You've you've got a switch here, so you've actually got the aorta coming off of the right ventricle. So you've got deoxygenated blood 
going to the body. The body's then withdrawing oxygen and returning it to the right atrium. It's going into the right ventricle. It's going then out by the aorta to the body to withdraw more oxygen, to come back to the right atrium, to go to the right ventricle, to go around the body. <laughs> and, and it's an ever, basically just a constant cycle. Uh, whereas the left atrium is then pumping blood to the left ventricle. That's going to the pulmonary artery instead of the aorta, going to the lungs, being oxygenated, return to the left atrium, going to the left ventricle, going back to the lungs, getting more oxygen. And you've essentially got one side that is completely oxygenated blood just circulating between the lungs and the heart, and one side which is completely deoxygenated circulating between the right heart and the body. Um, when you have um, the ductus arteriosus, which is linking the um, pulmonary artery and the aorta, you basically are allowing uh, mixing and you were able to support the circulation. So this is entirely duct dependent, which is why you're going to see it, you're going to see it in those first really in the first 48 hours or so of life as the duct closes. So what's your most likely emergency management? What do you want to do? Um, that's coming up as a question. Is that coming? Yeah, let's have a look. What are we getting? Where do people want to start? What treatment do you want to give? Okay, cool. So we'll go. There's a few people answering this one. A bit more nerves. That's okay. I can't tell who's answered what, so you... You might as well just have a guess, I'm not sure. Yeah, so there's a range, there is a range of dosing, uh, you know, right through five through to 50. So five, if your duct is open, we can discuss this in the panel, but if your duct is open and you're well, so thinking back to those babies, antenatally diagnosed, nice wide duct, and you can essentially start them on prostin to prevent the natural, there's a natural drop in prostaglandin need to after birth, and essentially you reverse that and it keeps the duct open. Once the duct is closed or nearly closed, that that process is much harder to reverse. So you typically need much higher doses, and that comes with their own complications, such as um, fever and apnea. And um, so, the more prostin you give, the more likely you are to need to intubate and have other interventions. Okay, um, fourteen day old. These are all pictures of my kids, by the way. And if so, I've got that's fine. Uh, so, fourteen day old infant. Uh, poor feeding weight loss, really weak femoral pulses, three centimeter liver edge and a murmur. Um, what's the most likely diagnosis? We'll wait till there's a few answers and then we'll see. Yeah, so this is, that's people are coming on uh, now, giving a decent number of answers. So this this is um, this is typical of kind of co-optation. Um, co-optation has a huge range. So you may pick up late co-optation in older children where then the, the just through blood pressure discrepancies or pulse differences but this is kind of talking about critical aortic stenosis um co sorry co-optation of the order can you tell i worked late last night <laughs> uh so yeah so, so critical co-optation of the order so in this situation what you've got is um a very tight narrowing of the aorta usually distal to the left subclavian um and essentially you've got the, the ductus arteriosus as well there um that can, can give that can essentially as that as time goes on with that being narrow what is what's happening is you're getting decent blood supply to the head and neck and you can also get decent blood supply to the left arm so you have to remember that left arm is not a reliable preductal um uh, postductal saturation sorry um uh, you'll find is though you're not getting poor blood supply to the rest of that body, rest of that that circulation. So essentially, you'll get you know um, hypoxia in those regions, a high lactate, um, uh, and, and essentially the, the presentations you'll get with co with with a, a co-arctation. 
So I thought we'd go to um, this point, just look at the panel discussion and the questions and just to see what's come in from the kind of group at that point. So let's have a look and um, scroll down. Yeah, so femorals, uh, femorals are tricky, um, definitely. And it is just practice. Uh, you don't have prostin, uh, get prostin. Uh, I mean, the other thing is from the groups, I suppose you want to keep, don't over-oxygenate this group. So that's going to promote the duct closing. So target stats would normally talk around high 70s, low 80s. Chris, is that fair? Yeah, I think for, for most patients, uh, a, a coart in the right arm, this that should be normal. And, and quite often there are people over-oxygenate these babies, but I, I think it depends on the, the lesion. At the end, I think that one they're referring to the transposition, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Um, about 75 to 85 is our, our usual that we're targeting. Yeah. And, you're right. and with the with the duct, um, in the in the situation where the duct is closed or closing, what's your starting dose of prostin, Chris? Depends how sick the baby is, Tom. Uh, anywhere between 20 and either 20 or 50. If the if the baby's absolutely clapped out in peri arrest, I, I I wouldn't have go straight for 50. Uh, and then I would escalate up towards 100 if it's not working. Um, if the baby's not too bad, 20 would be the lowest I would start, but very quickly go up towards 50. And at 20, will they cope with that with intubation? Will the, ap or will the apnea always need result in that at that dose at 20? Will they tolerate that, do you find? They may tolerate it. I, I think, though, if you're moving the child from one hospital to the other, you would be intubating for that. But hopefully, if you if you can start that, and get the ducts opened, you would have a more stable intubation to do. So it wouldn't be... I'm thinking about this poor person in the DGH who struggles to get prostin. You know, if they if they can get 15 or 20 and not need the tube, they, they may be quite happy to wait to see if someone can come and help them out. That's, that's why I say that's that's the, it depends on the sort of baby you have in front of you. If you have a baby that presents to the ED, you know, with sats in the 50s, cap refill of seven seconds, you know, you're going to be intubating that baby anyway fairly quickly. So you would start, you would start at a, a good dose of 50 and get the baby tubed. If the baby's not too bad, but you're worried there's a, a duct lesion starting at that lower dose and hopefully getting the duct open again, and you might avoid intubation. Okay, I'm going to wrap this just for time. I mean, this is the last few slides. So really, from an ED, because I'm not a, a cardiologist, I kind of think about need to know. So I tend to think pink and blue, Pink, remember your SVT, it's really the only thing that's going to give you real collapse. And just be aware of things like very large VSDs in the neonatal period. And that's why your bronch looks really grotty and sick and you're just not sure what's going on. Um, blue, you do need to know transposition. It's the most common. Um, usually presents as the duct closes. 40% will have a VSD. So if you haven't got prostin, hope they've got a VSD. Um, uh, Peter's saying we give them all prostin. Um Basically, you're aiming to maximize mixing and early, early cardiology PIC involvement. Others, so total anomalous pulmonary venous drainage, probably going to mention this quickly, but this is essentially where the oxygenated blood is returning, not directly to the left um, atrium, but actually coming to the right side via the SVC, IVC or right atrium. And then it's shunted and there's mixing uh, via an ASD or a PFO. The more restrictive that path of blood flow back to the right heart, the more severe the phenotype. So, uh, and they can also present as collapsed hypoxic neonates and, and then prostin isn't going to help this group. Um, as we're saying, so the, the blood can either return by a long loop supracardiac to the right atrium, by a long loop infracardiac to the right atrium via the IVC, or it can happen intracardiac. And you get this snowman in a snowstorm picture. And that's probably one also to be aware of.
Um, don't see it that often, Chris. Do you, do you, do you see this much? Um, I've seen that a few times, Tom. And it just doesn't, you know, just, just got it in there as one that we're not going to, Poston's not going to help or do anything. They're just going to seem exactly the same. There's absolutely nothing that's going to help you in this scenario other than surgery, actually. And these kids arrive in ICU with sat sometimes in the 20s for a quick, you know, scan and straight to theatre. Yeah, and they're hard to echo as well. So it's, it's, unless you've got a cardiologist, I think that's my understanding is it's hard. It's not easy on echo. So um, I, I've got, it's just, there's a reminder, if you've got someone who's a bit stuck, it, maybe that's what you've got. Other other lesions, so these are ones where like you could probably forget them, but if you don't want to forget them, you can stick to headburn. That's great. Um, so you get kind of high plastic bright heart, secondary to tricuspid atresia with a VSD and you'll get some blood flow. You get a common truncus arteriosus which is basically a, a common outlet for both and tetralogy of fallow, which will present really in older children. So that's pretty much the end. Uh, I'll have a look at any last questions a bit ju just as we finish. Fine. So patomegaly, so that's that's usually a sign of failure. So when you've got kind of right side of the heart overload, fluid backflow, you'll start to get patomegaly. Um, and you'll get that in your VSDs, but you'll also get it with your... With your um, uh, co-optation and that's partly because you're going to have uh, essentially increased left pressure backflow and you're going to start getting some signs of um, failure. Someone had infracardiac TAPVD and NICU last week. Wow. Okay. I wouldn't go for cardioversion over adenosine because actually you're going to, in my opinion, unless someone tells me I'm wrong, you're going to have to either sedate them or basically put them off to sleep for humanitarian reasons if you're going to cardiovert them. Is that fair, Chris? Do you, would you cardiovert, electrically cardiovert, an awake child? No, we would normally give a, a little bit of ketamine, I think. Yeah, so if you're going to do that and someone who's unstable, that's quite right. So I would uh, I would probably have a go with your iodenosine, knowing you're going to need to push hard and to, to keep with the theme and give um, more uh, more adenosine than, than you've had to maybe give via an IV route. Um, yeah, okay. Fine. So acknowledgement. So I'm gonna my kids to give them the pictures. Archem Learning have a really, really good article on this. Um, and it really breaks it down in a really simple way. So if you want to go and look a bit more, there's a link to the Archem Learning. 